Have you ever felt like a, what's his name? <laughs> like you're a nobody, a number, a person of no regard. Well, welcome to the club. Almost everyone feels like that at least some of the time. You know, even those with normally high self-esteem can be threatened in unusual settings or in the presence of unusually prominent persons. And most of us find ourselves in someone's shadow, wondering if anyone knows we're there or who we are, at least part of the time. And there are some who delight in making others feel like nobodies. But the Apostle Paul was not one of them. In our text for today, Paul lifts up both Timothy and what we might refer to as a what's-his-name. But in doing so, he reveals how all of us can be held in high regard. Timothy, while still in Paul's shadow is himself a rather prominent person in the New Testament. He's, he's mentioned 24 times by name, even has two books of the New Testament addressed to him. And Timothy, uh, as you may recall, was a young man who joined up with Paul on his second missionary journey and literally became Paul's right-hand man. Not only did he accompany him on many of his journeys, but when Paul was unable to go somewhere... Timothy was the one sent in Paul's place. And such is the case in our text for today. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming shortly. Now, you may recall that Paul is a prisoner in Rome at the time of writing. Apparently, he anticipates a verdict to be handed down soon. And as soon as it happens, he plans to send Timothy to Philippi with the news. Now, if he's released, he hopes to eventually come himself. But either way, Timothy will be coming, not only to report on Paul's situation, but to carry back to Paul, a report about the Philippians. And Timothy was the man for the job. Paul says there's no one else as qualified as Timothy to serve as his envoy. And he and Timothy are kindred spirits. I laughed when I saw that phrase after being up in Prince Edward Island. If you're into Anne of Green Gables, now I know where that phrase came from. Uh, they're kindred spirits. I thought that was kind of neat, kind of neat. All it means is they think alike. They, they share thoughts. There's an intimacy with them. 
and they shared a genuine concern for the welfare of the Philippians. Timothy had been there when the church was founded, and he he knew many of the people in the church personally. And, sad to say, not everyone, even in ministry, was as committed to the cause of Christ as was Timothy. Paul sensed that even the others in Rome with him at the time were more after their own interests than the interests of Christ. What a sad, sad statement to read in Scripture. Only one. The rest of them are more concerned about themselves than the cause of Christ. And sadly, Paul's observation of the Christians surrounding him proved to be true. He would later write to Timothy that Demas had forsaken him and all others had deserted him. But not Timothy. Timothy had proved his worth time and time again and faithfully served Paul as a child serving his father. Paul even addressed him as my true child in the faith when writing to him. And he referred to him as my beloved and faithful child in the Lord when writing to the Corinthians. Timothy was certainly held in high regard and for good reason. But so was, what's his name? Uh, Epaphroditus. Who in the world is Epaphroditus? Well, all we really know about him is what we read in the next six verses. His name means lovely. And it's derived from the name Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Apparently, he was a pagan convert from Philippi who had been sent to Rome to deliver a gift from the church and to personally minister to Paul on behalf of the church. The things hadn't gone as planned. And now he's being sent back with this letter from Paul. But he's not being sent home in disgrace. Far, far from it. Paul applauds him for his service. And he makes this relatively unknown disciple into a model for us to emulate if we, too, would be held in high regard. So let's see what Paul had to say about uh, Epaphroditus. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Therefore receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient 
in your service to me. Paul took a what's-his-name, someone unknown to anyone outside his immediate circle of friends and acquaintances, and made him into somebody by referring to him as my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Wow. A brother to Paul. To be a brother to the Apostle Paul is to be somebody. To be a fellow worker with the greatest apostle of all time, is to be somebody. To be a fellow worker with a man who defended, a soldier who defended the faith before kings and emperors, is to be somebody. Epaphroditus is somebody special. And he actually became somebody special, not by Paul calling him my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. He became somebody by actually becoming Paul's brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. We, too, become somebody by becoming a brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier to Paul and to the rest of the apostles, and to all of the saints of all the ages. So let's see what Epaphroditus did to be considered as such, and be challenged to become like him. Someone who will be held in high regard, at least by those who count. Epaphroditus, like Timothy, was first and foremost Paul's brother. The Gaithers wrote a song that we used to sing to open our worship service, The Family of God. You may remember the line, You will notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these folks are so near. You know, maybe we quit singing it because we don't say it all that much. But it is true that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the card we received from Cody noted that fact when he spoke about the fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ that he found when he visited with us last summer. In Christ, we are family. We're His family. You know, one day when Jesus was speaking to the multitudes, His mother and brother came to speak to Him. Rather than leave the multitude He was teaching, Jesus stretched out His hand toward the disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, He is my brother and sister and mother. When we come into the family of God, through our relationship with Christ, we become brothers and sisters. And while we may not actually refer to one another as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, 
we are brethren. And the New Testament actually uses that word brethren 189 times, and most often it's in the spiritual context of our brotherhood, of our being brethren together in the family of God. We are family. And we demonstrate it by showing brotherly love for one another, as did Epaphroditus. A man who proved himself to be a brother to Paul and to the believers in Philippi. Epaphroditus became very sick while in Rome, sick to the point of death. And when he recovered, his biggest worry was that the brethren back home would be worried about him. He was distressed because they had heard how sick he was, and he longed to go home to be able to assure them he was okay. He worried about his brothers and sisters. And Paul wanted him to go home, because he was concerned about the Philippians. He knew they were worried about Epaphroditus, and he wanted them to see and rejoice over his healing. A healing for which Paul, too, was very thankful. Had he died, Paul said he would have had sorrow upon sorrow. Now, even the greatest apostle of the faith would experience sorrow at the loss of a brother. Now, remember, Paul is an apostle. He had special gifts given to him by the Holy Spirit. He had a sign gift, a gift that could be used to confirm his apostleship. A sign that could be used to confirm the truth of what he was declaring. A sign that could be used for the sake of the gospel. And part of that sign gift was being able to heal someone. But apparently he could not heal others just because he didn't want to lose them. He didn't. He had to rely on the grace and mercy of God for healing of himself and for loved ones just as we do. Sometimes God chooses not to heal. Death is now part of God's plan for us. And even sickness can be used by Him for our benefit and His glory. Now, God did not heal Paul of his thorn in the flesh, his personal affliction, whatever it was. Paul prayed that God would take it away, and God said, no. He said, if I took it away, you wouldn't rely on me. You'd think you could do everything yourself. So no. You still got it. But he did heal Epaphroditus. And for that, Paul was most grateful because Epaphroditus was a beloved brother and a fellow worker. Now, we don't know what kind of responsibilities Epaphroditus had in the church at Philippi. Maybe he was an elder. Maybe he was a teacher. Maybe he was just a brother who could be counted on and who was available to do whatever needed to be done. You know, whatever his official responsibilities were, he was committed to kingdom work. He was a fellow worker with Paul, and Paul honored him as such. 
He referred to him as your messenger, using the same word we translate as apostle. Epaphroditus had been sent out as an official representative of the Philippian church, making him an apostle, one sent out from the church. And Paul recognized him as such. He was an apostle and a minister. He was a minister in the sense that he had been sent to minister to Paul's needs. Now, the most common word for minister is a word that can also be translated servant. But interestingly, that's not the word that Paul used here. He used a word from which we get the word liturgy. A word that's used to refer to someone who performed a sacred service. He was an apostle and a liturgist. He was a fellow worker with the apostle. An apostle in his own right and a minister who was committed to sacred service. A man who came close to death for the work of Christ. He may not have been well known, but he was a fellow worker in the kingdom. And for that we honor him, as men have done so for nearly 2,000 years. You want to be somebody, become a fellow worker in the kingdom of God. If you want to make a difference with your life, work for a cause that's eternal. The only cause that's eternal. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 58, and J.B. Phillips paraphrased it, And so, brothers of mine, stand firm. Let nothing move you as you busy yourselves in the Lord's work. Be sure that nothing you do for Him is ever lost or wasted. Do you want your life to count? Work for Him. Work for Him. You know, we have, we have little victories all the time in life. that Usually they disappear quickly. And we go on to the next one. Everything we do for the Lord is eternal in consequence. I like that. That gives meaning and purpose to everything I do as a worker in the kingdom of God. Nothing I do for Him will ever be lost or wasted. He'll use it. And He'll remember it. If you want to be somebody, now... And forevermore, be a fellow worker in the kingdom of God, as was Epaphroditus. He was a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. In writing to Timothy, Paul would challenge him with these words, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Epaphroditus was such a soldier. You know, we don't think of ourselves as soldiers all that often. I had something happen last week that I thought was really kind of neat. I'll try to spare you the visual imagery, but I was at Fit Club. You can take it from there. Somebody joined me where I was, and he said, uh, 
You're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yeah. And we got talking. And he started talking about the mess the world's in and what's happened to society and everything else. And we had a nice, nice visit. And I said, well, I, I had to go. I think I had to head to a volleyball game or something Anna was playing. And as I walked out of whatever it is I was in, <laughs> he said, thank you for your service to your congregation. Is that I mean, I'd go, whoa. I mean, that's, that's a military term. We use it all the time when we, not all the time, we ought to use it all the time, when we see a service member. Thank you for your service. And I benefited from that several years ago. I hate to admit this. I was sitting with a friend who was in uniform, and some guy came and paid for both of our meals. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Uh, Thank you for your service to your congregation. That is so cool. I didn't know how to share that, so there it is. <laughs> a soldier. A soldier. Do you think of yourself as a soldier? Epaphroditus was a soldier, a fellow soldier. When the church needed someone to drop everything, travel 700 miles to Rome, and plan on staying for an indefinite period of time, it was Epaphroditus who volunteered to go. He thought of himself as a soldier, enlisted in the Lord's army, and ready to move out whenever needed. Now, we can probably assume that he had a family and a job. He no doubt had responsibilities in Philippi. But nothing could keep him from responding to the call of his commander and chief. He was spiritually equipped and ready to go whenever and wherever needed. And he was willing to risk even his life to accomplish his mission. Some have suggested that he knowingly went into Rome during a time of widespread sickness, perhaps when the notorious Roman fever was sweeping the city. He risked his life. And the word Paul used for risking his life is a word that was used to refer to gamblers who were willing to risk everything. It's also a word that an elite core of believers in the early church took to themselves, the parabolani. The gamblers. Now, it wasn't because they played bingo. They were committed to visiting the prisoners and the sick, especially those who were ill with dangerous and infectious diseases. Barclay writes of believers like them when he reports, In A.D. 252, plague broke out in Carthage. The heathen threw out the bodies of their dead and fled in terror. Cyprian, the Christian bishop, gathered his congregation together and set them to burying the dead and nursing the sick in that plague-stricken city. And by so doing, they saved the city at the risk of their lives from destruction and desolation. That's the kind of man... Aphrodite was. 
a soldier of the faith, who would risk everything to do what had to be done. Far from being a what's-his-name, Epaphroditus goes down in history as a brother, a fellow worker, and a fellow soldier, the Apostle Paul. Paul instructs us to hold men like him in high regard. And not only do I do that, I want to be a man like him. And I trust you do as well. Now, none of us have been asked to do what Epaphroditus did. But what have you been asked to do as a brother? a fellow worker, a fellow soldier in the kingdom of God? Have you been asked to help provide for someone in their time of need? Something as simple as a meal? Or as intense as staying with them? Have you been asked to teach a class, lead a study, sponsor a youth group, mow the grass? Work in the nursery, greet people on Sunday, make sure the furnace is working. <laughs> Have you been asked to, to come alongside someone and help them fight a spiritual battle that's overwhelming them? And have you ever sought to do such? Without being asked? You know, we can all be a brother or sister, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, with the apostles and all the saints, if we're willing to pay the price. And what is the price? Everything. Now, it won't be necessary to actually give up everything every time we're asked to prove ourselves a brother, fellow worker, or fellow soldier. But we must be willing to do so if Christ is truly our Lord and it becomes clear He's requiring such from us. What will it cost me to follow the Lord? Everything. That is the price I must pay. That is the price I will pay. Let's commit ourselves to that.